understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Guys, real quick, today's episode of The Stranded is sponsored by none other than Instapodcast. If you've never heard of Instapodcast, that's my podcast management agency, and there's nothing wrong with a shameless plug, right? My podcast management agency that we started in 2019 with the intent to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives just like yourself connect on one of the most popular platforms on the internet right now that allows you to have true intimacy and vulnerability with your audience, and that is podcasting. To share your story, to share your message, your experience and your knowledge through one of the most powerful mediums. And what we did was take away the hardest, most difficult part of it. We do the tech and the production for you so that you get to focus on the two most important things, which are content and marketing so that the world can hear your message. Because one thing I know for certain is that you have a message that can put words to something that someone else is experiencing that they don't know how to put words to. And so it's time to put your message out there. But the problem is, is you're scared of how much work it's going to take. And Instapodcast takes away all of the work for you so that you can focus on what's most important about the podcast, which is just delivering and serving your audience. So run over to instapodcast.com right now, schedule and book your first call with one of our reps or me, and we will get you started with your popular podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stranded Phase podcast. And it's been a hot minute since we had a really cool guest. And so I'm so excited when I can bring you somebody that I feel like not only are they going to teach you something today, but they're going to teach me something as well. So selfishly, I'm going to ask some really cool questions to help my life. And along the way, I'll be excited if it helps yours. So not only is this someone that I'm thoroughly impressed by, but this also happens to be a client of Insta Podcast. And I will get to that in a second about why I want to jump in this first question so deep. But this incredible soul is lives life on a big scale, is truly a manifestation expert. Her voice, her energy, just her, she's a freaking magnet. Like once you hear her, you're going to be alarmed. So prepare yourself because we are going to talk about true manifestation today and talk with the person that I know for sure can help us understand that you can truly manifest miracles in your life and how you can trust yourself on that level. And so I'm so freaking excited to welcome Michelle J. Lamont. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I was doing a little happy dance right now. I'm so excited to have you. You don't understand. <laughs> I know. Listen, I've been preparing. I've been meditating. I have been sending out this cosmic vibration to all of your listeners that they would attune and align with something powerful right now, because what you're doing is transforming lives. And every single day that you are doing a podcast, every single day that you're sending that message out into the universe, Jessica, you are actually a manifester for so many people. Wow. I didn't even think about it like that. Huh. You're a high vibrational being. I mean, even just looking at you, the very first time that we ever spoke, you and I were like, who in the hell is this? And I was like, I know I can't help myself. This is just what happens when we get in an energetic alignment. Mm. Oh my God. This is going to be so good, y'all. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Because you don't look at life any other way. That's my favorite part. You literally don't look at life any other way. Everything is energy. Everything is connection. Everything is the universe's way of trying to tell you something. And so I can't wait because you're going to paint a really clear picture for a lot of people today. 
I'm excited. I'm so excited. And I'm honored. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you times a thousand, girl. So a lot of people don't know this about Instapodcast, the podcast management agency that I run, but I have the pleasure of at the end of our 30-day launch, a lot of times I will review a lot of the launch content after our editors go through it, after we write the show notes. And when Michelle was getting ready to launch her podcast, I was flipping through some of her episodes and the titles were beside me. I mean, they were beside me. Like I tell people in the entry call, like, hey, a podcast is much better if you're super vulnerable, you know, if you're willing to share stories, even your trauma, your experiences, and then how people can learn from them. And she went all the way in. Like one story was titled My Suicide Attempt. The other one, you know, she has a story about like orphanage to Oprah. I mean, literally jaw dropping content. And so I couldn't start this episode any other way than asking you to share as, you know, in the best way that you can how you got to this place in your life where you tell that story about sitting by the pool and knowing that you were ready to make a decision to end your life and how the universe intervened. Well, Jessica, I think that your tips on being vulnerable is an excellent way for people to be honest, because if you're going to put a microphone, attach it to a computer and speak, and you're not your honest and most authentic self, then you shouldn't be doing this. And for me, energetically, I would rather be bare naked in front of every single person that listens, because at some point in their life, there's something that happened in my life that they can relate to. And I'm not saying that it has to be this huge, long list of traumas. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that even a small trauma to one person can mean a whole lifetime of pain. And another person could have 50 traumas and it's just another obstacle, another way for them to energetically move past this vibration of pain. So for me, I wanted to be, okay, you know, I've been fake my whole life to pretend that what happened to me didn't happen. Because mm. I never wanted oh, wait. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> she literally just said, I've been fake my whole life to pretend that what happened to me didn't happen. There's a lot of people listening right now that need to take note because you might have just woken up right now hearing that and realize that might be you. And the thing is, is that on the outside, everybody looked at me and I like to call it shiny plastic. I'm attractive enough. I'm smart enough. I'm eloquent. I'm a great speaker. I'm a connector. But behind that facade was this girl that was broken and beaten and sad and mentally abused in her relationship every single day for 19 years. And I would go on stage and talk to people about creating a business and how you get loans and blah, blah, blah. And how you take, like I did, take $250 and in five years, start create a million dollar company. And so here I am walking across stages, sounding so confident and on the way to the speech was crying. And on that morning in the shower was crying because I was so set on living a fake life in order to be appropriate to everybody and Instagram appropriate or Facebook appropriate. So everybody said, oh, look, everything worked out for her. But I was months and months and years closer to my suicide date and never knowing. Can I I ask you a question? Yeah. I know one of your other, I'm sorry to break you because this is getting so good, but I know one of your other stories and I heard something you just said and you said, you know, I was just trying to be Instagram perfect and Facebook perfect and qualify yourself to the world. And this is what eventually leads to your suicide attempt. But I've also heard your other story about what happened to you as a child. And just knowing that all I could hear in my head just now was you were trying to earn your key. You were on stages trying to make sure that you were so likable that nobody could leave you just like what happened to you when you were a child. Yeah, absolutely. And I was so prepared. In fact, and I'll start with that part. 
So I am a first generation American on my mother's side. We're Colombian. Uh-huh. See? And on my dad's side, interestingly enough, I am a direct descendant of William Williams, who signed our constitution. So Mm. I am also a first generation American and a founding father daughter. So I'm registered in the Daughters of the American Revolution. That said, this cosmic alignment of John and Marlene created me, Michelle J. Lamont. And up until that time, my parents seemed hopelessly in love. I have five, there's five kids in their family, but my dad was previously married with three. So I have five brothers and two sisters. And most of us just lived the five of us in this house. And my stepbrothers and sisters would come home from New York, you know, during summer and break and stuff like that. So we traveled the world. My very first photo was my passport photo. (laughs) And we went back to Columbia and we lived there for a couple of years while my dad would go back to the States and work. And that's just how we lived. And we would travel. And then we lived in California and we lived in all these different places. And of course, Texas, where I live now. And I thought we had this incredible life. We had fancy cars and big houses and a nanny. And I mean, it was just this dreamland. We went to Disneyland three times a year. You know, it was just idyllic. And my mom, when I was 10, she got undifferentiated lymphoma cancer, which is now curable. Yeah. And here she is, 45 years old, staring down stage four cancer with five children under the age of 12. Married to a man who she knows from the first marriage may not be the most stable person because she had to work very, very hard to create businesses and create jobs to not only run his businesses, but to run hers. She actually learned English on Sesame Street and came to the States because she was incredibly beautiful. She got like fifth runner up in Miss Columbia and they offered her a modeling contract in New York. And my dad was legitimately like the third American man she had ever met. Didn't speak English. And his story was he's driving in Manhattan and he sees this woman in her tacones, her heels, walking, and a cab driver bumps the curb to look at her. <laughs> and so he runs across the street, drags her in, and that was their that was it. He divorced, he was married at the time, divorced his wife, married my mom. Wow. Yeah. And so then they had my brother Jacques and then me. And when my mom was pregnant with me, she asked the people in the United States. Like, where is the biggest state with the most energy? Like my daughter has to be born in the biggest state. And they were like, Texas. So she literally made my dad move to Texas to give birth to me because she believed energetically my soul was so big and so profound and so powerful that it couldn't be born in the little bitty state of New York. And she wanted to go where everything was big and open. And then there was no other children born in Texas. Everybody else, Jacques was born in Columbia. I was the first one in Texas. William was in Oklahoma and David Lorraine was in California. We used to live in Calabasas. And so at the age of 10, she got sick. And 90 days after she got sick, she died. She died on July 17th before my 10th birthday in October. I'm a Scorpio. And my dad had this great ritual. Ever since I was a little girl, he would pick me up from school, whatever school I was at, and we would spend one day a month shopping, just having a daddy-daughter day. And so I had been in school for, it was maybe 60 days because I never had another birthday with my family again. And he picked me up from seventh grade and couldn't really talk to me. He just couldn't. And I didn't know what was going on. He said I had to go take a test. Now you have to remember that at this point, I've already skipped a grade. 
I am accelerated on every single level. And so it didn't seem abnormal to me. And I'm also 10. On the way down there, he kept stopping off at these places called Dairy Queen. I don't know if you have those. Yeah. Okay. And so we would get a Dairy Queen. We got like four of these damn ice creams. I didn't know what was going on. I had a stomach ache. So we pull into this place that looked like a, you know, college campus. And he told me to come inside. We go inside. And this lady takes me upstairs and gives me a test. Well, now I can look down the second story window and what do I see? I see John Lamont opening up the Mercedes back and taking out trash bags out of the trunk of his car. And then I take this test and I'm so confused because it's really rudimentary. I mean, it's very basic stuff. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to win something with this test. This is like my dog could pass this test. It's like, what's the capital of Texas? You know, basic stuff. What I didn't understand, it was an assessment test. And then I see the lady that helped me upstairs go out and grab these trash bags. And my dad got in his car and drove away. And then she came in and explained to me what was going on. And I said, did I win the award? And she said, well, you are a ward. And I said, what award did I win? And she looked at me and she said, no, dummy, you're a ward. And I said, what's that? She said, you're a ward of the state of Texas. You no longer have parents. The state of Texas is your parent. Now I have my brothers and sisters back home and I don't understand what's going on. I'm only 10. And I said, excuse me, I have a father. My mother's only dead. And she said, no, Texas is your parents. And then you have to understand that you no longer have an opinion. You no longer have a voice. You no longer matter. So you need to be not seen and not heard. You need to keep your head down and shut up. And that was my introduction to being an orphan. And I would stay there until I graduated from high school. And my father came a couple of times to visit. My brothers would come intermittently and stay for like 30 or 60 days because John would get mad at them. But then he would come and pick them up. And it was almost like cruelty on another level. I still don't know how to explain it, but I really want you to understand this. I love my father and I have forgiven it all. And I am so grateful, so incredibly grateful that I got to have that experience on this journey of my life path. Because without it, what would I have been? Another rich, spoiled, you know, entitled girl? No. Now this, what you want to call suffering, what you want to call pain, what you want to call trauma, allowed me to expand my mind, to expand my selfness, my own sense of self in order for me to be the high vibrational energy that I am today. And everything from that point on may sound like some tragedy or some story like Shakespearean, like this is impossible that she has survived all of these things. But that was just a little bit. And then I went to college, got scholarship. And even though we had to be bused in in Waco, the Children's Methodist Home, and it said Waco Children's Methodist Home, I was in what they were calling AP classes. I don't know if you guys have that now still. Okay. So I was in these AP classes and I sat next to this guy and in a small town, if you own a dealership or some sort of thing political, you're very well known. And this guy sat next to me and his family owned a car dealership. And so everybody knew him. Well, he was very smart and his last name started with an N and mine with an L. So we were in classes together and we were always getting in trouble for cutting up. So I heard that he was going to be running for class president and I cornered him and I said, Hey, Tom, how about I be your vice president and I'll do all the work. You don't have to do anything. I'll even do your study notes for our classes. It sounds just like you. (laughs) (laughs) Because in my mind, I was like, maybe the college people would like a vice president girl. In my mind, I was just trying to, you know, rationalize and try to download what I would needed to do. And that's the whole point of manifestation. You are never alone. 
the second that you are born, this was predestined. And one of the things that's really important that I try to help the women that have children understand, if you can understand your own power and your own energy, then as a mama, you can then teach this to your child. And even if you were like my mom, about to die on a deathbed at MD Anderson, withering away, you have incorporated into your child's life this energetic ability to communicate not only with you energetically as the mom, but when you are past and no longer in the human form, your children will learn and know how to communicate with you energetically because you did it your whole lives. So they're mm. never going to feel alone. They're never going to feel like mom's gone. Yes, you're not here on the earthbound situation, but energy never dies. I mean, when we die, we weigh the same exact amount. So what mm. changes? And when they do brain surgery, they can't find consciousness. They can make your arm move. They can make your mouth twitch. They can make your legs shake. But where's consciousness? Consciousness is that divine light energy that is within each and every one of us because we are energetic beings. And so then I ended up, you know, vice president all four years. I think my slogan was LaMouth because my last name is Lamont. LaMouth will get you to herd. And we won and we won all four years. And I went on to college. And when I went to Arizona State University, I came back to Dallas for a little, you know, summer thing. I think it was year three. And I met my then husband. And I really wanted to honor my mom. So I was a virgin. And she said, you know, you don't do this until you get married, Michelle. You know, that's it. And everything about me was like, fulfilling her wishes and her desires to be a successful entrepreneur and to be successful at marriage and to be pretty, all those types of things that really mean nothing. But I, in my energy, wanted to fulfill her desires. So I set out with a life of intention to be somebody that was notable. Although my father threw me away with the trash bags, I could not leave that point in my life where he kept my brothers and sister, but not me. And I couldn't move past it energetically. So I tried so damn hard to pretend that I was always worthy of more. And obviously I didn't get it because I married this guy. So this is the first guy that was nice to me. (laughs) (laughs) He was. And And this is 19 years, 19 years of this relationship. So after year four and a half or five, he saw what a workhorse I was, how diligent I was. I was creating my businesses. I was doing all this stuff. And his insecurity and his low vibrational state started coming in on me. Like he told me that, you know, religion was for people that can't have any vision for themselves. There was no God that I was an idiot for thinking this way. He would criticize everything I did. He got to a point and I've never really revealed this, Jessica. But I'm going to tell you right now, one of the torturous things that I survived in this marriage was at a certain point in time, he couldn't put me down because everybody liked me. He couldn't put me down financially. He couldn't put me down. So he decided I was fat. And one day, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was fat. And I'd never considered myself fat. I'm Colombian. I'm curvy. I'm 36 double D, ass like Kardashian, five, six and a half and proud of it. And I never had a problem with anybody thinking that I wasn't attractive, but all of a sudden I hated everything about the way I looked. And it got to a point where he said, all right, well, you're too fat. We're not going to have sex because you're too fat. And so he created a weight loss agreement and for yes, and I signed it. And for an extended period of time, years, I would have to be weighed. And if I did not weigh an appropriate amount for my husband, I was not to have sex with him or sleep in the bed with him. And this is no joke. And this is also, I had years of IVF and no baby. I have a C-section scar and no child. And so 
all of these, what you want to call sufferings, if you want to call it that, allowed me to see that I really deserved more and that I really was more powerful than I was giving myself credit for. But I was so angry at my dad that I stayed in this marriage because if my dad didn't love me and then my husband didn't love me, my God, nobody would love me. Right. And so for me, I believed in that lowest vibration of Michelle Lamont. In fact, in episode two, I believe I discussed how I'd always called myself Michelle Lamont because I didn't want to acknowledge my Colombian roots because, you know, growing up in that time, being anything other than blonde hair and blue eyed meant that you were either Mexican. People would say, what part of Mexico is your mom from when we were younger? Even though mm-hmm. we lived in this beautiful house and we had a lake house and we traveled and, and I'm like, Colombia. And they're like, well, what part of Mexico is that? I'm like, are you you right now? (laughs) Wrong continent, you moron. You know, like, hey. So I never would use that. And then finally, I had had enough. We got into, he embarrassed me incredibly one day at work. I had opened up another company. I had sold my first company, opened up a PR agency. And my first company took me five years to be successful. My second one was 45 days. And after I was successful in that, of course, the jealousy started setting in. I made, he had worked for me his entire life. I was his employer and he was my oppressor. And every day I had to live in this constant battle of what do I do today? Maybe I won't cry all day. Maybe I'll only cry once. Maybe I'll only cry twice. And I would do things to make myself feel good, like go and help people and go try to do nice things because that really was the core essence of who I am. But I couldn't really be that with this man. That's why I couldn't have children with this man. That's why I couldn't have happiness with this man. It wasn't supposed to be this tenuous relationship that it ended up being, but I was so scared of letting go. I was so scared to be alone that I would endure anything, anything, criticisms. I remember one day he told me, Michelle, I am running out of ways to torture you without hitting you. You should leave. And I was so scared. I was like, no, no, I'll be better. I'll do more. I'll do this. I'll do that. And I've never discussed this before. So one day we had this really big argument at the office in front of all the staff because he loved to embarrass me in front of my employees. And it was one of his favorite things. I think he really got hard doing it. And the girl that he hired, so I would be very insecure, turned to him and said, why are you talking to her like that? And he messed up. He'd never done that in public. And all the girls turned against him. And all of a sudden, I'm going to get emotional. I had an army of angels in the room and they all stood up for me when I couldn't stand up for myself. And he left. He left the office, got very angry that everybody was on my side and moved out, moved out. He sent me an email and he said, if you follow all the instructions, I will return. And I followed all the instructions, begging him back, pleading for him to return. And then one of my girlfriends said, Michelle, there's these two sides of you. There's the Michelle we know. And then there's the work Michelle. And work Michelle, she's an evil bitch. But real Michelle, she's an angel. I think you need to figure out which Michelle you want to be. And if you really, really want to be with this person, there was just two people I could really confide in. And as a publicist, a TV publicist working with major networks from Travel Channel to Bravo, I'm on red carpets everywhere. And she was a director of Fox. And she knew me now for 14 years. And she said, Michelle, I cannot allow you to continue in this energy. And so she suggested that I go to a therapist, a psychologist. The psychologist had me write Steve an email. And it said, here's what I'm doing. Here's everything that's important to me. How do you feel? And he replied. 
and I was to bring this and send it to the therapist. Well, when I got to the therapy and I chose a therapist that reunited couples, he said Mm -hmm. that in 10 years of practice, he had only suggested two people get divorced. So here's somebody that's really, really intent on keeping the marriage together, which is what I wanted. And, you know, people love to be abused when they're in a low vibrational state, Absolutely. you know, it makes you feel comfortable because you're used to being like, let me fight through this. Let me show you what I can become. Mm -hmm. That said, he gave me a piece of paper and as a writer and a publicist and entrepreneur, the written word is so powerful to me. He said, I'm handing you your, both of your emails in pink are all letters and nouns and verbs that promote positivity and love. And in yellow are all the ways that you break each other down. My email was almost solid pink. His was almost solid yellow. And in that moment, I knew I had to divorce him. So he put me on a cocktail of Adderall, Xanax, and Ambien. Uh Uh-huh. And so therapist? Yep. The psychologist. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm popping an Adderall when I wake up, Xanax midday, Xanax mid-afternoon, and Ambien to go to sleep. And I, on my... On our wedding anniversary, would have been our 20-year anniversary, I filed for divorce, which is also my birthday. And shortly after that, I decided to commit to try to commit suicide. I couldn't imagine living a life where absolutely nobody loved me. And Mm. that say that meaning that I obviously did not love myself enough to understand what it was that I was allowing my vibration to be. And I won't go through the entire suicide story, but needless to say, the pills that I got from the psychologist were what I was going to use to kill myself. So I stored them all up and didn't eat for two days. So they would hit my bloodstream faster. I did all my investigation, like why did suicide not work? And I figured out how to make sure that I would be the best, you know, suicider ever. I could kill myself right away. I was going to get it done. Because Jessica, I wanted, even in my death, I wanted people to believe that it was an accident or something had happened. And I couldn't even admit it. I never even wrote a suicide note because I wanted everybody, I wanted to hurt him, but he didn't care, you know? And so through that, when I decided to not do it, and I'm going to leave it to my episode two, so everybody will turn in and listen to the details. But that moment, that rock bottom moment was the moment that I said, enough, this doesn't work. This no longer serves me, which sent me on a journey, on a spiritual journey to learn about all of the religions. And as I started, I went to a mosque, I went to a temple, I went to churches, I went to Buddhist temples. I spoke to all these religious leaders because I have the type of mind that I can't know, you know, how that this microphone is the best microphone. I have to know about every single microphone on the planet, and then I have to investigate it, and then I have to review it. So my mind, and I read very fast, so I'm just really taking in all this content, and I really realized that all these religions, besides like their textual context and their deities, meaning their how they worship, had an underlying similarity. Everything was based on the idea of a God and love. So to me, it spoke to me in a different way. And then after I did this religious hunt as still being a publicist, I started realizing that there was a lot more to it. And then one of my friends who was a TV producer, she said, you know, Michelle, it's kind of like a religious version of The Secret, what you're talking about. And I had never read The Secret. So I read The Secret, except Mm. The Secret leaves God out. And God is not separate from us. And we are not separate from God. 
God is our co-creator in life. So God is inside of us. It's not in a church, it's not in a temple, it's not in a mosque. And he is still in all those places because we are in those places. And so once I kind of started putting the puzzle pieces together, I started going on another quest to understand angels. So I did six months of angel work. I did manifestation work. I did crystal work, sage work, going to schools. I got into deep meditative states, deep, deep meditation where I can do meditation for an hour and a half without, you can have noise around me. You can't disrupt me. I can do it in the middle of an airport. I even went back to school and got my mindfulness cognitive training because I wanted to be, I always want to have the best of everything. And I believe that I'm intelligent enough to comprehend this information and then give it out to my girlfriends in bite-sized pieces so that they themselves can connect to their highest and best self. And so then they were like, Michelle, can you teach me? Michelle, can you teach me? I was like, yeah, come on over. I'm going to show you how I do it. Here's what I do with candles. Here's what I do with sage. Here's what I do with prayer. Here's how I talk to my angels. Now I can make energy with my mind. Now watch, I can take this candle and blow it out without ever being in the same room. Watch this. And as I started to delve into these practices and modalities, I realized that I have to really decide what it is that I want to create for this next chapter of my life. Because every other chapter had been the lie that I was telling people and then the truth that I was hiding. Mm. And so for me, I really wanted to live a true and authentic life moving forward because honestly, life is one second. One second, my mom and I were in our pool dancing and singing. The next minute, she's in a hospital in Houston, Texas, about to die. So, and in one minute, I'm living in my home with my brothers and sisters in a beautiful part of Dallas with Mercedes and guest houses and a nanny and a maid. And the next minute, I'm in an orphanage with children who've been sexually abused around sexual predators who tried to abuse me. So when I say that suffering was something that I take a great honor in, I also believe that it wasn't suffering. I don't believe that we ever suffer. I now energetically believe that we decide to come to the earth teaching planet to evolve our souls to the highest and the best energy possible so we can elevate everyone around us to their highest and best self. I mean, I love this quote. I believe it's Monet. A rose never stops blooming if it's next to another rose. Mm -hmm. I want to be the rose in the rose garden that tells all the other roses, you're a rose. Why are you acting like you're just a little leaf? Become that bud, start opening up, flourish, feel the sun, feel the earth, feel the energy of Mother Earth talking to you and become the most beautiful rose you can. And so once I started manifesting and learning these practices, I started dissecting everything. Okay, this is too generic. This is more specific. This works here. I started getting coaching clients and teaching. And then I was like, okay, I'm really going to put it out there. And I'm going to say what's the most impossible thing that I can think of. And I hadn't even realized that the people that I had manifested, the celebrities I had manifested in my life, I had manifested. I hadn't put two and two together. So I had manifested Cindy Crawford and I had manifested a one-on-one with Kim Kardashian before this. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in that time, I just thought it was called hustle. Right. Right. And so right. you're living in the earthbound mentalities of me, myself, and I. And the problem with our ego, and here it is, is this. Ego is edging God out. And when you're vibrating in the energy of ego, it's always you against the world, as opposed to having your team of angels and your spirit guides and your God force energy vibrating so strong into you that there is nothing and nobody that can stop this team from making sure that every desire that you are now connected with is always connected to you. So Mm. my mom growing up was Oprah Winfrey. 
because in the orphanage, we were allowed to watch TV once a day for a couple of hours. So there was a lot of like, when I went to college, people kept saying, you look like Punky Brewster. I didn't know who Punky Brewster was. She was this child star with these big brown eyes. I got offensive. I was like, I don't look like a punk. I'm pretty. I'm from Texas. What are you talking about? But I didn't know a lot of these TV shows and stuff because we couldn't watch it, but we were allowed to watch Oprah. And I learned everything about, you know, everything. I mean, you name it. I learned it. Oprah was my mom. To me, she was my mother. And so when I was doing my manifestation, I said, I heard she was coming to Dallas. And I said, I wrote down on a piece of paper, I'm going to meet, interview, or photograph with Oprah. Now, to be honest, I wrote that down because as a publicist, I know everybody in Dallas, Texas, okay? Not everybody, but a lot of people. And if I wanted to get on a carpet, I probably knew how. So I wrote it down with like this half ego and half vibration. But God and his angels and your spirit guides around you, they teach you valuable lessons every step of the way. So Here I am writing it down with the confidence of, you know, a thousand tall giant. And I start making calls. I call my friends at ABC. They're like, no, we only have three passes. And that's for our reporter, producer, and camera guy. I'm like, okay. I call Fox. Same thing. I call one of my very good girlfriends at CBS. She was a, you know, very high up news director and she couldn't do it. And I'm like, what the, how am I not getting on this carpet? So I start getting a little worried. So then she's in town for this charity. I call the charity and I offer to do their PR for them just so I can show myself that I've manifested. And they said, no, thank you. They already had a publicist and they weren't interested in my services. I'm like, what in the, so now I'm a high vibrational being. I have clients. I'm starting to do a little bit here and there, but on my Instagram, it said TV media publicist. It did not say manifesting manifester, which we all are, but it did not really, I wasn't ready to be that naked in front of all these people that I've worked so hard to convince that I wasn't trash in a trash bag. Right. And before that point, I had had this Reiki treatment. And when the Reiki person got to my chakra in my solar plexus, I had this instant vision of being a little girl right after my mom died in Galveston on the pier. So I knew I had to go there. And so I drove with a girlfriend of mine who was a reporter to Galveston on the pier. And this is prior to this Oprah story. And you know, those little things that you look out and you put the cord. So we walk up to the pier, which was much more fancy and updated now with rides and it costs to get in and yada, yada. And I see the machines and there's four of them and she's walking with me. And I go up to the first one. I don't feel anything emotionally, energetically, anything. Second one, the third one, I couldn't move. My hands were glued to the side of this thing. And I put my coin in and all of a sudden I was back to when I was 10 years old and I'm on the pier with my dad. And I see my brother on the sand across the pier and I'm looking at him through the thing again as a little child and I'm moving my head back and forth because I'm like, oh my gosh, am I really here right now? And all of a sudden I heard my dad and he said, I decided here that I would give you away. And he said, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to break you. I'm not going to do well without your mom. And so for me, the smartest thing that I could do was put you in an environment that wouldn't hurt you. And I don't regret it. And I love you. And my girlfriend said behind me, my arms were in the air and I was moving them like, you know, and she was a reporter on NBC in Dallas and I'm moving my hands and I'm like having this conversation, but I'm not talking. And to me, I literally lost my voice screaming at him, but she said, I never made a sound. And so then 
he says, I love you. And then I feel my feet back in my feet and I let go of it. And I turn around and I said, I got it. And she said, what? And I'm bawling my eyes out. And I said, I have to forgive him. He was only doing what he thought was best. And I have to understand that. I've never been a parent and I don't know what it would look like to have five children under the age of 12 and look at this one child who seemed in some way different than the others, how to protect her. And in his emotional state, that was the best thing that he could do. And so in that moment, I forgave John Richard Lamont and I started loving him. And as I forgave him, I was able to forgive my ex-husband and forgive myself for who I had to be to endure the things that I've endured in order to keep evolving and keep growing. And I knew at that moment in time that it was selfish of me to hold on to this pain as if it was some sort of trophy. Because at that moment in time, I no longer needed the crutch of a broken child. I was now a healed individual. And I was so thankful that I had all of these experiences in order for me to evolve into the manifesting manifester that I am now. So here I am. (laughs) Okay. All right. Whoa. (laughs) I'm like knee deep in this. I feel like I'm like living through this with you. Yeah. So this is what I want to do for my audience. I want to make this part one, because this is forgiving the unforgivable. This is forgiving the unforgivable. This is your part one story to becoming the most incredible manifester there is and literally being able to manifest anything there is in your life. And now this backstory explains so much to us as to why you've become this person. Like literally clear as day to me why you've become this person. So I think for everyone, they need to hear and digest this forgiving the unforgivable and how you've used this to become literally the best version of yourself in these five, 10 years that you've been focused on manifesting, becoming this expert and being able to literally manifest miracles. So will you come back to the Serena phase? Absolutely. And I'll tell you the Oprah story. Yes, we want the Oprah story. So thank you, Michelle J. Lamont for the part one, part one, forgiving the unforgivable your story part two, we're going to learn, the listeners are going to learn how you've manifested way too many things beyond belief. And you continue to manifest the life you desire every single day and how they can do the same. You know, Jessica, I heard a statistic that people will start listening to up to five new podcasts a month. And for anybody who is looking to be a part of that statistic, I absolutely welcome you to Manifesting Miracles with Michelle J. Lamont as part of our collective energy where you too will learn how to manifest miracles in your life. And I'm honored to be here today. And I'm so excited for all of you to connect with your highest and your best self. Now, next time we're going to be talking Oprah, but it's the same. Oprah energy is the same as an apple. And that's going to be what we talk about. (laughs) Girl, leave them with a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will see you on part two. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. I'm so thankful. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.